the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Ever wanted to hold your hand up during a sermon and interrupt and say, Pastor, could you make that more clear? Could you clarify that? Would you answer that question? Well, we usually do this on Friday. We call it Fire Away Friday, but we're doing it on Thursday today. We've had so many of you calling in, and we've left the program with about four or five people still on wanting to ask questions. So we felt felt like today would be a good day to do that, and that number that you can call, and we're ready to receive it right now, is 888-589-8840. 888 888- Five eight nine eight eight four zero. We want to get your call today. I know this is unusual. Uh, we tried to come up with a name for it, Alex. Uh, doing it Thursday. I I don't know if since Fire Away Friday's taken, we could take Thunder Thursday or Thoughtful uh-huh. Thursday. Fire which, Away Thursday. Yeah. Thursday Thunder. But yes, we do love to get people's Bible questions, and uh, I'm on tell you the the way the world is now we need the solid rock of god's truth on which to stand don't we we do i was talking to someone today and they had listened to radio and they said uh it is just bad news everywhere we've got some good news here jesus saves jesus saves that has not changed. You're saved by grace through faith. That has not changed. He comes in and stays like a friend. He stays closer than a brother. He is the one, and it's Jesus and Jesus alone. So here on Exploring the Word, Alex, uh, it's kind of like some of the pulpits that have gone to to fill in, and the pastor will leave a note, and they'll simply say, make much of Jesus. And I, I want to just tell you, uh, when you make much of Jesus, yeah, you can answer other questions, but there's nothing more important than that, is there? Well, that's true. That's true. And, you know, the way the world is, and, hey, I love life, and I don't want to be doom and gloom, but, you know, we are living in a world where so many uh, viewpoints are battling for the the attention of people, and there's the woke movement, and what we need is not woke, but a spiritual awakening Bert, I am so glad that there is the timeless, eternal, infallible, inerrant Word of God, the, the Son of God, our Savior, and the, the darker this world gets, the more brightly the light of the gospel shines, and I'm so thankful that we have God's unchanging truth in a world where the sands are ever-shifting. They are, and people are already calling in. We got one or two lines open, so you get your call in. We're going to get to as many calls today as we can. Uh, we try to be accurate. We try to be precise. But some questions take longer than others. And uh, we try to do this in an honest, biblical way. That's our desire. And we want to be helpful. But more than anything, we want you to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And uh, that is the main thing. And after you know him, grow in him. Grow in knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Alex, are you ready to take phone calls today? Let's do it. 888-589-8840. Your Bible questions and God's Word is the answer on Exploring the Word. It is. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Joshua. Joshua, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, Bert and Alex. Thank you very much. 
Well, thank you thank for you. calling. Uh, I, we really mean that. Thank you for calling, Joshua. Yes, sir. So uh, uh, I have um, my my parents are are divorced. One of them's remarried. Uh, my sister, she's divorced uh, and not remarried, but living with her boyfriend. She's got children out of wedlock. Uh, my sister-in-law is uh, has come out recently as LGBT. Um, so I've, I've got this stuff going on all around me. I'm not sure where. I'm not sure what to what to do. I feel like as a Christian, I've got the instruction manual here. Uh, obviously, I don't have it down packed, but what can I do to influence my my family members to try to get them to, you know, follow follow the instruction manual? Amen, Josh. Man, I'm telling. That is family. It is family confusion, and it is that way. I want to give this real quick, Alex, and you follow up if you would. Uh, I'm I'm the youngest of nine. Uh, now, some of my well, I didn't know you had that many yeah, siblings. Yeah, I did. I am I'm the youngest of nine. I had six sisters and two brothers, and of course, you have a lot of issues come up. You have those children, my nieces and nephews. And Joshua, I'm not saying we had all the same things you did, but we had issues of people going this way and that way. And, and uh, you know, I, what can I do? I, I want to tell you, I, I live my life in front of my family, and I did not change my, my language, and I didn't have to clean it up because I didn't take God's name in vain. I just, my daddy wouldn't let me do that if I wanted to anyway. I'm telling you that right now. Amen. But I'm, I just talked like, God's God's my friend, and I'd talk about Jesus and let them see Christ in me. Now, can you say a word? Well, you may can, but I want to tell you, live that life, have that peace, have that joy. Let that be seen in you. And, and I'm not saying be quiet about it, uh, speak a, an appropriate word, but, brother, I want to tell you, actions do speak louder than words. Someone said, let your life be a sermon, speak words if necessary. Now, I, I think that's oversimplifying it, Alex, but there's yeah. some truth behind it, isn't there? Well, there is. And, you know, it's often said that the hardest people to win to Christ are your own family members. And, and you know, why that is, I don't exactly always know, because I, I know some of the most godly, most godly devout followers of Jesus that have some ungodly family members. But in 1 Peter 3, 1, it's talking about a, a Christian wife can evangelize her husband uh, with her ways. You know, it says, wives be in subjection to your husbands, that if any do not obey the word, they may also be won without the word by the conduct of their wives. Or, you know, some translations say, you know, win him with your, your godly ways. Now, I know that 1 Peter 3, 1 is talking about wives of an unbelieving husband, but uh, as much as I believe in sharing Scripture and verbally proclaiming the gospel, we can visibly proclaim the gospel with our lives, and it really does make an impact. And so uh, know that our, our first witness very often is the unspoken witness of our life, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I say it, let your talk and you walk be in tandem, you know, uh, they they'll see it. They'll see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Uh, make sure they see that. Joshua, we're going to take time to pray today mm, because yeah. I got a feeling 
that there's a lot of people out there who have family members in similar situations. And uh, it, it's tough, as Alex said, your family. But, Alex, we can pray for them, and we can live before them. And when we have a word fitly spoken, we need to say it. But would you mind praying for Joshua and his family and him and other families as well? Let's do. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer, and we know the power of the Holy Spirit moves uh, as we pray. And so, Lord, I pray for Joshua and his family, Lord, that they would all, um, the family members would come under conviction and turn to Christ. And, Lord, no doubt there are many people listening, and they've got loved ones that aren't believers. So, Father, we, we always ask this, Lord, for the lost people in our lives. Lord, keep them alive physically till they could be born spiritually. Put uh, witnesses in their path. And even if sometimes sometimes we can speak up, sometimes we can't. But, Lord, let the gospel be just ever before the people in our life that need to be saved. And so I pray for all the people uh, that need Jesus and all the family members that are praying for the conversion of their loved ones. And we thank you for it all, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joshua, for calling. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Andrew. Andrew, welcome. Hey, Bert and Alex. How y'all doing? Doing good, good. today, brother. Good. How are you? What part of Tennessee are you in? Well, right now I'm headed back north from Memphis. So I, I'm driving home from work. I'm hands-free like Tennessee wants me to be. So, uh, <laughs> Well, i got to ask, did you, have to go over, did you have to go over the bridge there in Memphis that's uh, no, closed? No, sir. I, I live in, in Pitson County, and I drive to Memphis to work every day. Okay. We need to be praying for those people traveling Interstate 40 uh, in Memphis. Alex, they had to close a bridge, Interstate 40 bridge, and they're oh, having man. to go around and go on 55 and – it uh it wasn't the older bridge and so I, uh, well, man. we'll be safe everybody yeah. well go ahead andrew i i just had to make that comment but go ahead brother uh, absolutely i i want to say i appreciate y'all show i'm gonna be brief with my question um I, I serve as a deacon in my church and i get often chances to witness to people but one day i had a, a gentleman come up and witness to me and he wasn't a part of the same denomination. His his belief was that uh, that you had to be baptized in the name of Jesus to be saved. Well, I've I've been taught something a little different from Scripture. Uh, I've been taught that it's more of a uh, outward expression of an inward change. I just wanted to hear y'all uh, what y'all thought of that and what Scripture y'all could point me in the direction of. Okay, thank you, Mike. Alex, we get this question quite a bit, and let me make a broad statement, then you put the details in. The Scripture makes it plain that faith is always involved. Believe, faith, that's the word, trust. Those words meaning the same thing of surrendering your life and coming into obedience to him, surrendering your life to him. And then in some places it uses baptized, and some it does it. The one that's always there is trusting and faith in the Lord. Uh, how does baptism work in, Alex? Well, you know, the New Testament uses the word baptism in two senses. We get this question a lot, and it talks about being baptized into Christ, but that's not really water baptized. Now, uh, baptism, like you and I were just in Acts uh, chapter 9 and, uh, well, chapter 8, 
the Ethiopian eunuch was uh, one to Christ and was water baptized. But there's baptism in the sense of water baptism that is a step of obedience for a believer, and it's a public proclamation of your faith. But then there's being baptized into Christ, which means that you're, you're saved. In other words, you are in Jesus. Now, baptized in the name of Jesus back in uh, Acts 2.38, there was, Bert, I well remember this about 20 years ago, a denomination emerged that just sent a lot of uh, fear through people, and they said that if you weren't baptized in the name or in the name of Jesus, you're not saved, you've taken the mark of the beast, and it was just a for one thing, it came out of a group that denied the Trinity, and uh, Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, says English translations, but really, as we've talked about in the Greek, it really means upon the forgiveness of your sins. All right, so here's the, the points I want to get across. Number one, baptism is not what saves you. Uh, water baptism is a public proclamation of the salvation that's already taken place inside. However, baptism is used in the sense in uh, the book of Galatians as being in Christ. So you're, you're in Christ once you've put your faith in him and are born again. And the final thing I'll say, Bert, is because of the nature of the Trinity, you can read Matthew 28 and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You could be baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. Or you could be baptized in the name of Jesus. Because of the Trinity, when you invoke one member of the Godhead, you invoke all three. Amen. Andrew, thank you for your question. Have a safe trip the rest of the way home, and may God bless you. You're listening to Exploring the Word here on a Thursday. We're taking phone calls today, so we're excited about you calling us. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jen O'Malley Dillon, White House Deputy Chief of Staff. She serves under the White House Chief of Staff in managing operations for the President. Philippians 2.4 reminds us of the importance of helping others. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Jen O'Malley Dillon in her role as White House Deputy Chief of Staff. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The Bible says we are God's masterpiece. But Dr. Tony Evans says we're also his marketing plan. We'll find out why that plan is so simple that even a dummy can do it as we spend two minutes with Tony. My favorite place to go in all the world is New York. I love the action of New York, of Midtown Manhattan. Sister Evans loves Saks, Fifth Avenue. That's her favorite store. In the windows, they have dummies. These are the best looking dummies you've ever seen in your life. The reason that the owners of Saks put dummies in the window is because they know that dummies like us walking up Fifth Avenue and they want one dummy to talk to another dummy. These are blessed dummies. 
these dummies are sometimes blessed with fur coats, sometimes blessed with evening dresses. They are blessed with jewelry and they're blessed with fine watches. These are some blessed dummies. The dummies are not there for the sake of the dummy. The work that the dummy was put in the window to do was to lure folk off the street into a kingdom called sex. The moment a dummy thinks that the reason the dummy is in the window is for the dummy, that dummy just became a dummy. <laughs> Everybody's now looking for a blessing. Bless me, bless me. Remember the definition of a blessing. A blessing is God doing good for you so that he can do good through you. God blesses you so that he can use you to do something good for others in the name of the kingdom of God. Learn to be a better reflection of the Lord and his kingdom. Check out Tony's 10-message series, The Spiritual Toolkit, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, Monday we'll resume our study of the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 10, and you can read ahead and join us then. But today, all hour, we're taking questions, and we love to do that. And the number is 888-589-8840. And Bert, where should we go next? i tell you what. Let's go to the great state, the bluegrass state, J.J. Jasper's home state, Kentucky, and welcome Mike. Mike, welcome. Well, they're commonwealth. You get an argument. <laughs> that is true. Hey, is it? Virginia or Pennsylvania or Kentucky, they're Commonwealth. Yep, and I think one other one, maybe Maryland, I can't remember. Okay, yeah, you're right. Thank you uh, for your correction, brother. <laughs> well, the people correct and thanks me. for listening. They're still st- well, and I have a hard time, man. All, over the years, I've tried to call in several times, and today, by posterity, I guess I got through, but we've all heard that phrase, and I think I understand the concept. If you've been a Christian very long, the devil knows his time is short and so he can resist the devil and he'll flee from you eventually because he knows his time is short he's got to move on find some easy targets but my question becomes in the in the time uh situations that we've got here it's kind of hard to know when to give up on somebody i've got friends people i know and love that are involved in a I don't know, cult and or occult both because it's a multi-layered onion. You start peeling it off. And, and, and they don't, I don't think they believe in Trinity as far as I can tell. I mean, there are several denominations without naming one in particular that try to consider Jesus and uh, the devil as brothers. And I went back to a church recently and the, the guy was saying that the devil can't be destroyed because uh, evil is part of God, and I'm like, well, mm. I got to go home and spend several hours to try to figure out what in the world he's where he's getting that from. He didn't really sign any scriptures and store, so I'm like, I don't know where I get, you know. Uh, but uh, even and I was sweeping up around here, and I swept up uh, where I worked, I swept up a bunch of dust and put it in a cup, and then I thought, oh, now what do I do with it? Because I had ran across that scripture that told the disciples. 
dust the dust off your feet and move on. If you're not accepted in a town, and you'll not finish going through all the towns of Judea, or you know Judah, I guess, before the Son of Man comes. Now, I don't know how long that would have took them guys walking around or riding on ox carts to visit all the towns of Judea, but it seems to me like uh, that'd be a heck of a tourist attraction over there in Israel. Come and see the town that the gospel was never preached in. <laughs> For 2,000 years, they never got to that town. Is, is that what we're supposed to believe? I mean, <laughs> Okay, Mike. Yeah, we're, we're talking about these people. How long do you wait on them? Uh, there were, at, on, in Judea, there were, you know, at least six different groups that went out, so uh, two by two. So it took them a little while, but it wasn't just two people. So they, I feel like they got to them. Then later on, he'd send them 70 two by two. And, uh, man, that they really covered those was pre great commission commissions as I call them. But how long, uh, do you pray for someone? Alex, you, you kind of answered that earlier in, in our prayer about mm-hmm. Lord, keep them alive long enough so they can be brought to life spiritually. Uh, do you ever quit praying for them? No, I, I think we pray for people as long as, as we're in the land of the living, and as long as they are in the land of the living. Uh, We pray for people to get saved, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to work on people. You know, the caller talked about certain cults being a multi-layered onion. You peel and you peel, and people are like that as well. You know, it's, it's amazing to me, Bert. I was sharing the gospel with somebody that recently came to the Lord, and I had shared about the deity of Christ probably two dozen times about how Jesus, he is the Son of God, and that means God incarnate, and because of his deity, Jesus is fully God, he was able to die on the cross and pay for our sins. And I had shared this multiple times, assuming that it had sunk in, right? Well, then one day this person said to me, said, I just, I just realized Jesus is God incarnate. He's not just a good man, but Jesus is really God, right? I said, yeah, you know. He said, well, it just dawned on me. Now, I had said it many times, but my point being, oftentimes um, it, it takes many, many repetitions for truth to sink in, and maybe it's the Holy Spirit working on somebody. And let me say this, and I'll throw it back to you, but God uh, calls us, God beckons to us, but God doesn't force us. And in the salvation transaction, one thing God does not do is overrule our free will. I mean, uh, it is uh, part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to convict and persuade, but God doesn't override our ability to make a choice. And sometimes People come in through the process that they comprehend, they understand, and then they act on it and believe. Sometimes it takes a long, from a human perspective, a long time, doesn't it? It does. When that question is asked, my mind goes crazy. I I know someone, a lady prayed 50 years for her nephew to be saved, Mm. and her last prayer before she died was for his salvation. He did get saved after she'd gone to heaven. Another friend of mine, her husband, she had prayed for him. Janie and I joined her and prayed for him. He got saved right at that point, close to her death. Recently, I've seen someone that 
they had been saved, but they weren't living for the Lord, and now they're on fire for God. So don't give up. Hang in there. Keep praying. And uh, when God brings them to your mind, pray for them. Uh, you know, have a prayer list. Don't hurt to keep them on your prayer list. God, God's at work. Thank you so much, Mike. Let's go to Tennessee and talk. Is it Jaina? Yes, sir. Go ahead. I, I just, first of all, I want to thank you guys. This is my favorite hour of my week. <laughs> I oh, love what you guys you. do. I'm so grateful. You've been such a blessing to my own personal spiritual growth. And I know if I ask this question, you're going to know the answer. <laughs> um, my question is on behalf of a dear friend of mine. Uh, we were talking yesterday, and she has a friend that she's loved dearly since high school. But this friend of hers is in the Jehovah's Witness belief. And so they have been having a lot of conversations. And my friend kind of feels at a loss when she comes at her with all of her um, dogma, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. And my friend wants to know how to answer these in apologetics way. So I, I just know you guys know of some good books or resources that would help my friend answer these questions that her Jehovah's Witness friend is having. Jana, thank you. Alex, this is amazing. I was in seminary. When I was in seminary, the home mission board now, you know, of the Southern Baptist Convention, we were studying that. And uh, now, you know, it's it's together, Canada and the United States. And uh, and there was a, a book, a magazine kind of, and it was called The Book, Beliefs of Other Kind. I got on the web, tried to find it. I don't think they're publishing it anymore. But there are resources out there that let you know about these that you can follow up and find them, Jana, and you can find them. Uh, and I know the SBC, I got a feeling there's other denominations that has some resources that would help. Alex, do you know of one specifically? Well, you know, let me mention somebody, and, and I haven't uh, brought his name up in a while, and we really ought to because he's just wonderful. There's a scholar named Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S, Ron Rhodes, and I believe he did his doctorate at Dallas Seminary. Very, very, very credible guy, very wonderful scholar, uh, Ron Rhodes. And he had a book called The Ten Most Important Things You Can Say to a Jehovah's Witness. And, you know, a couple of things that are worth pointing out. And with, with you know, I, I don't know which is more tenacious. There, and there are several there are several religious groups that sprung up in the aftermath of the Second Great Awakening. It's interesting, folks, in the mid-19th century, how several cults emerged in the aftermath of, of a great move of God. And one of them is, we call it the Jehovah's Witness, really the name is the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And obviously, you need to pray and pray for the Holy Spirit of God to pierce through the, the layers and layers of false teaching that people have been given. But one of the things with the Jehovah's Witness, uh, you have to help them understand that the, that the Watchtower Society does not speak for God. Um, they've made incorrect predictions about the end of the world. They've made wildly inaccurate statements about the nature of crucifixion and Jesus 
and then their new world translation of the Bible has been twisted and revised and altered and rewritten so many times. And um, one of the things, Bert, I know you've probably heard this story, how years and years ago, one of the alleged, quote, translators of the New World Translation was in a Q&A scenario and didn't know Greek, and the the New World Translation of the Bible is an absolute horrendous twisting of the King James Bible to try to make their Bible support the false teachings of the Watchtower, which, among other things, denies Jesus. So, um, on the Christian side, I would highly recommend the resource by Ron Rhodes. On the spiritual side, pray, be patient, and just understand that um, they deny Jesus. I mean, here's part of the reason the Watchtower is such a a terrible uh, organization is they deny the very the only way of salvation, which is acknowledging the identity and work of Christ. And so may God grant you to be a witness and help people come to truly know the real Savior who, who is at present denied by their pamphlets and their teaching. Thank you, Jana. Thank you very much. Let's go to Ohio. And in Ohio, we have Dan. Dan, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, Dan. Hello. Yeah, you're on, brother. Welcome. All right. I got a question about why Moses wasn't allowed to cross the river, why he wasn't in the promised land. Okay. Uh, let me see, Alex. There was a rock. God told him to strike the rock. And then God said, after you have struck it one time, you speak to it. Uh, he kind of got out of order and struck it a second time. But their good news is he finally made it into the promised land, Dan. That was on the yeah. Mount of Transfiguration, wasn't it, Alex? <laughs> exactly, in Matthew 17. And, you know, I've always thought about that, that Moses uh, really in anger struck the rock. Uh, and this is in uh, Numbers 20, but he did it in anger, didn't he? Um, I, I mean, was it almost like he was angry at God and struck the rock uh, as as if he was retaliating against God? Yeah. Uh, the whole idea was, uh, again, speaking, some people, and Alex and I do this quite a bit, if you see an Old Testament story like that, with examples of a rock, which is Jesus is our rock, the rock of ages. And uh, he died on the cross one time. He was struck one time. And after that, you get forgiveness by speaking and confessing your sin. First John talks about if you confess, 1, 8, 9, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. And But he did get to come in, but he didn't get to go in with the people. God set him aside and did it with Joshua. And so, Dan, yes. thank you for that. Anything else, Alex, on that one? No, that's a great question. I'm, I'm glad people are reading and thinking about the Old Testament. Amen. Let's go to Mississippi. And in Mississippi, it's Diane. Diane, welcome. Thank you. I want to thank you for taking my call. I, I have a, a – I just am interested in your um, take of Romans chapter 11 
verse 25, especially the phrase, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Okay. Thank you, Diane. Mm. That's 1125, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. That's an important word. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion that hardening in part has happened to Israel under the fullness of the Gentile has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. And Alex, that mystery, uh, it's one that was kind of hidden, but now it's being revealed. And the Gentiles coming in, aren't you glad we were grafted in? Well, yes, and you know, uh, the word fullness is an interesting word. Um, it, for one thing, it means supplement, and another thing it means is full complement or completion of. Okay, we Gentiles were grafted into the vine. The vine was Israel, and the Bible says salvation is of the Jews. The Bible talks about the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. Now, during this period that scholars call the church age, you know, with, it, with the first two and a half to three centuries of Christianity, the majority of believers were Jewish. But really, ever since, you know, really uh, Constantine to about now, the majority of places where the gospel has taken great root have been Gentile nations. As I understand uh, Romans 11.25, Bert, the, the fullness of the Gentiles or the times of the Gentiles mean two things. A, the completion of the body of Christ includes both Jew and Gentile. So praise God. And by the way, it's in Isaiah 49 that the Redeemer of Israel is the light to the Gentiles, Jesus. But also... There's going to come a time when this church age comes to an end, won't there be? There will be. And the main thing, know Christ. Be ready for that time to come. Hey, we got one more segment left, so we're going to take your phone calls. Hope you don't go away, but you'll stay around here on Exploring the Word. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. Airing the Addisons. Project Lincoln is a Republican outfit that hates Trump. But they are saying that they are going to go after other Republicans who favor Trump and track them. And they're going to keep the world up to date on where these people are so that they never work in this country again. Airing the Addisons, weekday afternoons at 2 Central on AFR. If you miss it, catch the podcast anytime at AFR.net. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Look briefly at one of your fingers. You've just witnessed one of the greatest displays of God's creative intent there is. No other person in all the world, even an identical twin, shares your fingerprint. God specifically designed each of us to be unique. That means we shouldn't try to carbon copy anyone else in the Christian faith. If God made you an arm in his body or a kneecap, 
Praise be to our glorious God for drawing us to become a part of his body. How freeing it is to realize that we were never meant to copy anyone but Jesus. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Matthew 4, verse 1 says this, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. To demonstrate his product, a knife salesman invited someone to wail away at his knife blade with a hammer. Someone else cut through a thick phone book with it. Finally, a woman used his knife to saw through a metal can. After all of that, the knife was still sharp enough to perfectly slice a ripe tomato. Those tests weren't to see if the blade could be dulled, but to prove that it couldn't be. The Holy Spirit didn't lead Jesus into the wilderness to see if he would sin. It was to prove that as God's Son, Jesus had complete power over sin. Through Jesus, we also have power over temptation. We can overcome through Jesus Christ. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie Malix here. We're going to try to get to as many calls as we can to finish up today. And uh, we're going to go to Tennessee and talk to Twyla. Twyla, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Um, I have sort of a three-part question. When a person dies that is not saved, do they go to heaven to meet God first and then? He sends them to hell. And then when a Christian dies, I know, you know, we go to heaven. At what point are we judged? And then is every Christian in heaven a part of our judgment? I mean, um, do we see what? I got you. Yeah, do we see that? Is it? for public knowledge and everybody looking. Alex, mm. let me say, uh, to be absent from the body, for the believers to be present with the Lord, and Twala for the believer, uh, we go to what is called the judgment seat or the Bema seat. Yes. It is for rewards. It's our, our judgment of sin has already taken place on Calvary as he forgave us as and but we go and we receive rewards or do not receive them. And Alex, uh, when that takes place, going to be a good again. It doesn't it doesn't say clearly. It's going to happen at this exact time, but it happens. And the main thing is not when it happens, but knowing that it will happen and you be ready. But what about the great white throne judgment for those who are lost, yeah. Alex? 
Yeah, you know, a really good book on this is by Erwin Lutzer, L-U-T-Z-E-R. Erwin Lutzer is great. He wrote a book called One Minute After You Die. And, you know, there, the Bible talks about really several judgments. Matthew 25, there's what's called the judgment of the nations, sheep and goats. Then in 2 Corinthians 5, there's the judgment seat of Christ, where believers are going to be given rewards. And, of course, Revelation 20 uh, is the great white throne judgment of all the, the lost um, because of Luke 16, the, the unbelieving rich man died and was in hell. Um, I believe, as I understand the Bible, Bert, when the lost die in this world, they are in hell instantly. Now, uh, at the end of the uh, millennium, but just before eternity proper, the great white throne, all of the unsaved will appear before God and will be thrown into the lake of fire, the everlasting punishment. So... Um, you know, in that regard, even those that have been in hell for centuries, maybe they get a, a five-minute reprieve as they are suddenly out and before God and then consigned forever to the lake of fire. Fearful, fearful to think of. But the believer, Bert is right, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, the believer is with Christ in the bliss of heaven and in God's presence forever. Thank you, Twyla. We appreciate you so much. And let's go to Ohio and talk to Tommy. Tommy, welcome. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> doing well, brother. Good. Thanks for calling. Good. Uh, what it is, I know when Christ comes with the shout and the dead in Christ show uh, go up and they that are alive shall meet him in the air. And what I'm, my question is, when Christ's reign began with the millennium, do those saints come with him? Okay. Uh, Alex, uh, when when do we meet the Lord in the air with the saints? You know, and by the way, I uh, mentioned um, 1 Corinthians 15 yesterday. Uh, Paul said, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4 says the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. The two classic passages on this, 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, I believe those that are alive at the time of the rapture are the ones that go up to meet the Lord in the air. But then at the end of the seven-year tribulation at the Battle of Armageddon where Christ comes on a white horse and with him, 10,000 times 10,000, uh, the believers that had gotten raptured will return with Christ victorious at Armageddon, and merely with a sigh, with the breath of his nostrils, Christ will vanquish his enemies. Amen. And then the millennium begins. And we who are with him will we'll be with him coming. Uh, the whole issue, make sure you are with him. Have you trusted Christ? If you and, never... and let me just say this. It, I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse down here, but you'll ride a you you'll be an equestrian. You will ride a horse when you come back with Jesus. Amen. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Hey, let's go to Arkansas and talk to George. He's from Arkansas. Alex, is anything going to happen in Arkansas this weekend? Hey, yeah, I'm going to be at Boundless Grace Baptist Church. Their website is Boundless Grace BC. Uh, Josh Ramsey, great pastor. I'm going to be there Friday. Saturday morning, Saturday night, and Sunday morning, and we're going to 
it, it's a revival, but we're also going to talk about apologetics, defending the faith. So if you're in Bentonville, Arkansas, Rogers, all in that wonderful region, uh, check out Boundless Grace Baptist Church, and we'll see you beginning Friday night. Okay, look forward to that and hearing about it. Hey, George, welcome, and what's your question today? Yes, sir. Do I need to turn my radio down to get you here? Go ahead. We're hearing you. Go right uh, ahead. Doctor, no, doctor turn your radio off. Questions. Sorry about that. Turn it off? Yeah. Okay. How about that? That better? That's much better. We, we just hear you one time that way, George. <laughs> okay, great. I don't want to be double. <laughs> Double-minded enough. Um, I'm a physician, but I also want to so I love the Lord. And, and simple, childlike faith. He said, John, if I ask anything according to his will, I will have the petition for which I've asked, correct? Go ahead, yes. And he also said he desires none should perish, all should come to repentance. Is that correct? He said that. That was his so desire. That's his desire. The Lord, if I ask the Lord to to uh, save somebody, I'm praying for them. I've completed that chain. I know. Okay, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna stop there because we're trying to get to as many causes as you can, George. Appreciate it, man. You cannot override a few things. To override somebody's will is doing more than God does. God mm. does not override Will's their will, does he? Does he, Alex? No, that's great. You know, we do the most we can do, but the the two things to keep in mind: number one is the free will of man. God offers salvation, but he doesn't force it. And the other thing is the sovereignty of God. The John 15 and 16 passages where Jesus says, if you ask anything, according to my word, my will, in my name, I will do it. Um, You know, I do think that means that, you know, we can really cooperate with God in the fulfillment of his great commission. But at the same time, God is sovereign, and we can't pray and force him to do something that's against his divine plan. But the other thing is that the Holy Spirit of God, in convicting and drawing people to Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit can move and speak strongly, but God doesn't override free will. Because, see, that's what it means to have a relationship with God. A relationship involves choice on the part of both parties. God chose to call and woo us, but we have to choose to respond. Thank you, George. Appreciate it, man. And appreciate that deep voice you have, man. Uh, that uh, That's awesome. Thank you. Let's go to down, over into Alabama, Mississippi's. We call it the twin state to, to, to our east. Karen, welcome. What part of Alabama are you from? Uh, North Alabama. It's actually Town Creek near Decatur. Oh, man. I know exactly where that is. Been through there several times. Awesome. But what is your question awesome. for us, Karen? Yes. Um, I was just hearing y'all talk earlier about the Jehovah Witness translation of the Bible. And um, my sister is very into the Passion translation. And I don't know how much y'all have looked into that. I've looked into it some. And I just wondered what kind of, how y'all felt about that translation. Um, I looked at a few scriptures and it just seemed to really change things up, and I just wondered what you thought about it. Okay. We've had concerns with one or two, like the message every once in a while. It it becomes so, uh, try to become so friendly and understandable, Alex, that they lose some of their, you know, the deep, 
you know, things, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And what about the passion? Do you know about that translation? Well, it's not really a translation because translations are like a word for word swap. Um, the, the translation, uh, is like the new American standard or the, the ESV or the King James, but the passion really, it is kind of a paraphrase, but you know, I think it actually goes beyond in that um, it inserts a lot of ideas. It's almost a commentary, really. I mean, because there'll be a lot of scriptures that um, maybe well-meaning uh, publisher, the publisher of it, puts in ideas that are assumed and very often are true, but they're um, they're interjections to amplify the text. And, you know, I don't have a problem with that as long as it's true to the original manuscripts. But but I would say uh, be careful because it's it's inflated to the point of really being a commentary more than a translation, Bert. And, and let me just say this. The closer you get to a translation, you have those that are very hard. They stick to it. And then those that are kind of, okay, they're translations, but they loosen it up to try to make it more understandable, and NIV is one of those. Uh, but like you said, the New American Standard, King James, New King James, ESV, uh, Holman even, you know, what is the new name of that? I, I, I still call it the Holman, but it's... Uh, the, Holman Christian Standard. That is the Christian but Standard. Th that's a good translation. And and they're, um, they stick to it. And be it, careful. Go ahead. Well, I, yeah, I was just going to say, let, let me say this, folks. Um, publishing is a business that's for profit, and there are a lot of good Christian publishers. But along with the, the passion was marketed as recovering some ancient translation techniques that had been forgotten and lost, and it was really marketed as if it was kind of the inside track on some things that had long been forgotten and abandoned, and that's just not accurate okay. at all, yep. and it was more about publishers' promotion than accurate scholarship. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Paul. Paul, welcome. Hi. Glad I got through today. Yes, sir. Got um, saw two bumper stickers this week. First one on the back glass said, "Do you follow Jesus this close?" <laughs> <laughs> the other one, good one, is the um, oh that crazy uh, coexist bumper sticker. You know the one that has all the different religious yeah, symbols. Yeah, I yeah. know the one you're talking coexist. about. Yes, I do. And uh, oh. you know how to. Uh, talk to somebody about that okay alex i've seen those and uh listen christ christianity it is exclusive christ it is superior in every way uh praise the lord for judaism one god but yet jesus christ fulfills that alex uh coexist that that kind of a is a misnomer anyway isn't it well you know it is. It's a buzzword for a philosophy called pluralism mm -hmm. that mean, that assumes everything is true, you know? L let me say this. Uh, Chesterton years ago said, uh, of all the world religions, they might all be false, but they can't all be true. And Jesus 
is unique in this regard. He claimed to be God incarnate, rose from the dead. And so I'm okay with coexistence in the, in the sense of respecting each other, and you're free to believe whatever you want to believe. But we've got to stand against it when it comes to the point of denying the uniqueness of Christ. Friend, mark it and Jesus and Jesus alone is the only one that can save, and he proved it by rising from the dead. Amen. We're going to try to get this call in. Neil from Virginia. Don't have a lot of time. Neil, go right ahead. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, love your show. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. And, okay, my question this is going to be on this once saved, always saved. I know you all have had that discussion a number of times. Starting off with Isaiah 55, 6, and 7, where it talks about the wicked and the unrighteous. This is throughout the Bible in a number of different passages when it talks about the unrighteous as a person that was saved or knew the Lord and had backslid or had went back, and he talks about them repenting and coming back. Moses goes on to talk about blotting the names out of the book of life and things of this nature. That's throughout the Old Testament and even some in the New Testament there. My problem, my issue is on those that believe once saved, always saved, they basically live Monday through Saturday one way and then go to church on Sunday. Okay, Neil, we we don't have a lot of time. I hate to cut you off. Alex, uh, you and I believe the security of the believer. The big issue is once saved. Uh, those that live that way Monday through Friday or Saturday and go to church on Sunday, uh, I, I'm just going ahead and say it. I doubt if they've once saved. Go ahead, Alex. Well, Jude verse 24, that, oh boy, that power-packed but brief New Testament book of Jude, verse 24 says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, or blemish and with great joy. See, he keeps us. The the eternal security of the believer is in the hand of of Christ, isn't it? You know, we often talk about Ephesians 4:30, sealed to the day of redemption. Uh, we're not saved by works. We're not kept saved by works, but we are kept by the power of God our savior. John talks about those, you know, they never were with us in the first place. You know, and uh, make sure you're saved and if you're having questions there's another number you can call triple eight need him triple eight need him make sure you're saved know christ and if it's real you'll show it it'll be demonstrated alex i pray you have a good night tonight brother but we want people to listen to exploring the word but what's more important than that tell somebody about exploring the word but most of all tell everybody about jesus 